Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com this is lee habib and this is our american stories the show where america is the star and the american people and to search for the our american stories podcast go to the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts up next a story out of clemson south carolina Today, the oldest a person can be if they wish to join the Army is 35. But for a short time during the War on Terror, one could join in their 40s. Our next story comes to us from one of these men who joined late in life. Here's Ken Scar. My whole life, I was an artist. I was the exact opposite of someone you'd think who would join the Army. And I grew up in the 80s and 90s, which was a very peaceful time for our country. We weren't really at war. The military was what other people did. I never even considered it. Uh, I, was, I always wanted to be in the arts, be a writer. And I, I ended up working in theater and television for a long time. I was a scenic artist, like for Broadway plays and television shows. We're the ones who paint the sets for plays. 
drops and the murals that are in the backgrounds of television shows. Yeah, I was always the art kid in high school. You know, I was the nerdly, nerdy little guy. This was back in the 80s, like I said. And when I was in high school, I took art class like two or three times a day. That was sort of my refuge because, you know, I wasn't one of the popular kids and I got bullied by the football players, you know, like all of us nerds did back then. So art was my refuge. And so I was always artistically, creatively inclined. And that's not the typical type of person that joins the military. When I was growing up, the people that joined the military were like rednecks and people that couldn't get into college. At least that was the perception. That was my perception. I'm ashamed to say I had the wrong perception, like a lot of people back in, in those days in America. What happened was I was, a, you know, I was in show business. I lived in San Diego. I was working at the Old, uh, Old Globe Theater in San Diego, and then I went into television. There's a lot of television that happens in San Diego. And then me and, and I got married, and my wife and I had kids. And the cost of living in San Diego is so high that we decided to move back to our hometown in Colorado. And I started my own painting company. But then my marriage fell apart very suddenly. And it kind of sent me off the rails. And I got to a really low point in my life. And I started looking into options basically to kill myself. You know, I looked into buying a gun and shooting myself. I even went to a gun store and like looked at guns for the first time in my life. I'd never even thought of owning a gun until then. You know, the thought just kind of hit me of my kids moving on in life without their dad and knowing their dad had done something like that. So I'm like, well, maybe there's another way I could go out that's maybe more noble. And so I actually looked into the Foreign Legion. There's still a Foreign Legion, believe it or not. And that sort of led me into the American military and looking into the military. And at the time, this was 2009, so we were at the height of the two wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. The army had raised its maximum age to 42. It's back down, I think, to 35 now. They just raised it up to that for maybe a year or two. Most people my age that were 40 that tried to join back then didn't make it through MEPS which is where you go to get analyzed if you can even be a soldier. You know, most people my age had back problems or knee problems and they're like, you know, would get denied. But I passed all the tests. And so the army's like, come on in, <laughs> be a soldier, Scar. And I said, well, I'd like to be a photojournalist. They're like, oh, there's only like a few of those in the whole army. There's no spots for that. And I said, well, thanks anyway, and I left. Then they called me back a couple months later because I had scored really high on the ASVAB, sort of like the SAT or the, that you take when you graduate high school where they sort of determine how smart you are and what you know and if you're smart enough to join and, and be a soldier. So anyway, I scored really high on that test. And so they called me back a couple months later and said, hey, you still want to be a photojournalist, you know, a spot opened up. I said, okay, I'll do it. So that's what led to me being in the army at 40. It was basically a weird kind of half-assed suicide attempt, I like to tell people. When most people ask me, I say, I just wanted to serve, you know, and that window opened up 
for people my age and I kind of jumped through it. And that was also part of it. When I went to basic training, they did give me a lot of grief. Old man Scar, you know? And my name itself, my drill sergeants love my name, Scar. S-C-A-R is my last name, right? Uh, they're like, bring your pride over here, Scar. We know you just can't wait to be king. The whole Lion King thing, you know? You know, when I first bust into basic training, that you know, they put you on buses. It's just like in the movies, man. You're all a bunch of fresh-faced, you know, ignorant, don't know what you're in for in your civilian clothes. You get on a bus and they take you onto the base and the bus parks and a drill sergeant jumps on the bus and just starts yelling at you, just like in the movies. And this drill sergeant jumped on our bus with his hat, you know, and his, uni his, his uniform just, he was just completely squared away, yelling at us. And then he, his eyes locked on me and he looks at me and he's like, you look, you look seasoned, <laughs> he says. He says, how old are you? And I said, I I'm 40, drill sergeant. And he says, 40? I'm 40 and I'm about to retire. <laughs> he says, if I had to do this all over again at this age, I'd cut my own nuts off. That was my first five minutes in the military. And you've been listening to Ken Scar tell his story. And what a story it is. For all purposes, he was just a meandering artist who struck up a decent gig in San Diego doing production arts for TV sets and for, for theater. But his marriage dissolves. And then everything goes sideways. And he's contemplating suicide, but doesn't take it all the way praise God. And then he finds the military and that sergeant. And what a funny scene that must have been for him. Certainly not the sergeant. When we come back, more of Ken Scar's story here on Our American Stories. Lee Habib here, the host of Our American Stories. Every day on this show, we're bringing inspiring stories from across this great country. Stories from our big cities and small towns. But we truly can't do the show without you. Our stories are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. If you love what you hear, go to OurAmericanStories.com and click the donate button. Give a little, give a lot. Go to OurAmericanStories.com and give. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, 
Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. And we continue with Our American Stories and with Ken Scar. When we last left off, Ken had decided to join the army in order to, in his own words, kill himself after his marriage fell apart. He did this in his 40s, making him much older than most of the recruits and subject to some jokes at his expense. Let's continue with the story. I got grief from the minute, literally the minute I I arrived at basic training. But then when they had to run with me, I usually had the fastest run time in the, in the, in the Army and pretty much in any of the services. If, if you have a good PT score, physical fitness score, you get, that gives you more respect than almost anything. You get immediate respect if, you, if you're in shape. In the Army, when I was in, the physical fitness test was how many push-ups you could do in two minutes, how many sit-ups you could do in two minutes, how, how fast you could run two miles, right? I could run two miles in about 12 and a half minutes. That was enough to pretty much beat any, any other soldier in my unit most of the time. As soon as they did, you know, as soon as they saw I was in shape, that kind of gained me some respect. And then when they, when they saw what I could do with the camera, that also got me respect. But you know, every unit I went to, and I wasn't in that many units, but I, I had to like earn respect as being an older guy. And, and, and I usually did. You know, you're in a bay with 60 other recruits. All the other recruits in my bay were 18, 20, 
maybe 21. I went to basic training at Fort Benning. It was one of the hardest, you know, three months of my life. It was the mental part. It was the dealing with all the stupid idiocy that comes with being with 60 young men and living with 60 young men in a room for weeks and weeks at a time. So much ridiculousness happens. And as, a, as an older man, it was very hard to just get through, get through that part of it. And just like keeping myself from strangling one of these kids <laughs> that whole time. It was just like in the movies, you know, they did such, it's designed to make young men do stupid things. And they do, they do, and they did. And uh, I was just like, don't you see? <laughs> They're trying to make you act like this. And now you're acting like this. Sneaking out of the bay in the middle of the night to go across the street, because in basic training, they take away everything. They take away your phones, they take away sweets, they take away coffee, cigarettes, you know, you don't get any of that stuff. And uh, some of these recruits that I was with, going a month without a Snickers bar was like too much for them. So they like snuck out of the bay across the street in the middle of the night to where there were some vending machines and bought a bunch of candy and chips and tried to sneak back into the bay with them. And of course the drill sergeants caught them. And so we all got woken up at 3 a.m. that night. We all had to wake up and they smoked us. And that means when they make us do push-ups and sit-ups and all these other physical activities uh, non-stop for, you know, for an hour as punishment. Because when one person in the army messes up, the entire unit gets punished. And that was hard to deal with. <laughs> that, was hard. that was a hard three months to get through, let me tell you. I got through it and I couldn't believe it, you know, and graduating basic training is one of the proudest moments of my life, you know, at 40 years old. My gig in the army was I was a 46 Quebec, which is a photojournalist or combat camera, they call us. And we kind of act as public relations. We also like tell the story of soldiers. That, that, was our, that was the main job was telling the story of soldiers and what they do and trying to bring them deserved recognition. It was a really cool gig because when I was in Afghanistan, for instance, I got to go see all the different things soldiers do. Um, I wasn't just stationed in one combat outpost or one for forward operating base, right? I got to go all over Regional Command East, which was the area of operation that I, that I was in. I got to go on air assaults and Black Hawk helicopters. I got to go on transportation missions with transportation units, units, you know, driving across the country. I got to go on foot patrols with scout units. Uh, I even got to spend a day with John McCain when he came to visit. So it was a big variety of things I got to do, which was uh, something a lot of people would never imagine you could do if you joined the Army. So we deployed in August of 2011. And my first unit was to forward operating base Tillman. And I jumped out of the chopper. There was green smoke going off on the landing zone. I jumped out with all my equipment and my, my rucksack. And I could hear the 50 caliber machine guns going off. Just over my right shoulder, you could hear machine guns going off. And that was intense. And I said it under my breath, dang, that's intense. And the soldier that had come to pick me up, he's like, what's intense? Because he'd been there for six months. And I said, 
that machine gun going off up there. That's intense. And he's like, you know, they're, that, those are our guys shooting. And I said, yeah, but they're shooting at someone, right? <laughs> they're shooting at someone. The soldiers that had been there were completely desensitized. He's like, yeah, whatever, you know? But to me, it was like, holy cow, what have I gotten myself into? I'm literally in a war zone. And that's the first time it really hit me, like, what have you done, dude? <laughs> what have you done? And then, uh, you know, the next day, I mustered with the unit that was there. They were going out on a, on a foot patrol to patrol outside the base. All the, uh, there was a place where they had been getting shot at, mortar rounds. So they were going to go to this poo, point of origin, where these mortars had been being fired at the base. So we were going to walk out the gates of the base out into the lands outside the base and through the little villages out there until we got to this point of origin to see what was going on, assess the situation. So we mustered before dawn in the dark and the platoon leader, which was a, I think a second lieutenant, he gathered everyone around and said, okay guys, we take fire every time we go out there. So just keep your heads on a swivel, be ready for anything. And I'm standing there thinking, how the hell did I get here? I'm, I'm a 40 years, I'm, I'm a painter. What am I doing here? You know, it was way too easy to get there. I just got online and looked up how to join the military. And less than a year later, I'm in Afghanistan, I'm about to go out on my first mission outside the wire. I had my full kit on, which is all the body armor you have to wear. I had my M4, uh, which is the, the weapons they give us. You know, I have, as a, military photographer, we have all the same equipment as any other soldier. And then plus that, we have our cameras hanging around our shoulders to take pictures of what happens. We walked out the gates that morning and I was just scared to death. I was scared to death, but I could not do it at that point. I, I did it, I walked out with them. And within a couple hours, I felt a lot more comfortable because I realized uh, these soldiers that I was with knew what they were doing. And if anything happened, I would probably be okay. You know, they, they would know what to do. And so I just started taking pictures of them walking through these amazing mountainous regions where we were. And then later in that day, sure enough, we got ambushed. We took fire and we all had to dive behind, you know, rocks and return fire. And I earned my combat action badge, you know, my very first mission outside the wire that day. We were out there for over almost three days, I think. We spent the night on the top of a ridge. Uh, a lot of things happened during that, during that mission, but that was my very first mission outside the wire. And uh, by the time I got back to Fob Tillman, I was a different person. I was a soldier. And what a story Ken Scar is telling. And imagine having to try and win the respect of a bunch of 18, 19, and 20 year olds when you're 40. Usually it's the other way around and then having to live with them. And all the nonsense. We all love teenage boys, but my goodness, when you're in your 40s and you have to live in bunk beds with them, days and weeks and months at a time, well, this is a new test of will and character. And it turns out this was a formative experience. In Ken Scar's life, he gets deployed to a war zone. What have you done, man? He asked of himself. And then that first mission outside the wire. Three days. And he said it best, by the time I got back to the FOB, I was a soldier. And by the way, any man who served and then gone into combat has had the same experience. And it doesn't mean people who served who didn't go into combat aren't essential, but there's something about combat. As Winston Churchill said in our great Churchill piece, that bullet whizzing by your head 
Well, that's when you feel most alive. When we come back, more of this remarkable piece of storytelling, Ken Scar's story here on Our American Stories. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. And we continue with our American stories and Ken Scar's story. 
Ken joined the Army late in life, in his 40s, after spending years working as an artist. After graduating basic training, Ken would become a 46 Quebec, or a photojournalist, and was deployed overseas where he took many photographs of our troops in action, sometimes under fire himself. Let's continue with the story. The photographs turned out pretty good. I got a lot of them. A lot of them got picked up all over the world. I got some good shots of our guys out there. As a photographer, it's always the ones you don't get that kill you. When we got ambushed, I hid behind a rock with a couple other soldiers and they started returning fire. And I got some shots of them, which weren't very good. But if I had to turn my camera just to the left of me, one of our guys had a saw 249, which is an automatic machine gun. And he was like, just opening up, you know, down this riverbed at the enemy, you know, like just total like Rambo stuff. And I just stood there and looked at him like, wow, that's really cool. And I didn't think to like turn my camera and take some pictures of him. And I regret that to this day because those would have been award-winning photos if I had just thought of that, you know? And years later, I always think back, like, you know, I'm a much better photographer now than I was then. I didn't know photography when I first got to Afghanistan. I didn't know how to work the cameras. You know, the, the, the Army gives us these really great Nikon professional cameras with all the lenses. And I, you know, I sort of learned as I went while I was over there. But if I could go back now, I would take much better pictures. But as it was, my pictures turned out pretty good. You know, the composition was good. And I was surprised because as military photographers, military journalists, all our content is public domain. It belongs to the American public. And media outlets know that. So they know to where to find our stuff. If they're looking for photos of a particular thing or if they need a photo for a certain story. So my photos almost immediately started getting picked up by USA Today, New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, Fox News, Huffington Post, you name it. I, I was amazed because also as, as military photographers, we can go places that civilian photographers can't go. And my stuff still gets picked up. I still find my photographs on websites or friends will call me or you know, text me like, hey Scar, is this your photo? And I was like, holy cow, it is my photo, you know, an AP. It's like, it's amazing the places my content went. So that was kind of cool. One of my most famous photos is of a, was when I went to Oregon E on that first mission before they flew me to Fob Tillman. I had a couple days at Fob Oregon E, which is a weird name for a place. I still don't know why it was named that. We had a howitzer crew there, which is howitzer 777 cannons, um, which are these giant weapons that can send around, I don't know, hundreds of miles with pinpoint accuracy, right? These guys have to take into account the curvature of the earth when they aim their weapon. I, was, I had a couple days at this base, so I went down to just like, take some shots of these, these cannon crews firing. One of my shots, I captured the flame, the ball of flame that comes out of these cannons that the naked eye can't see. And the ball of flame just perfectly framed the soldier that was pulling the lanyard to fire the cannon. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know? So I, I went back to the office and uploaded the picture and it got picked up all over the place immediately. 
Um, I didn't even realize how, how unique that photo was. I had the U.S. Army photo of the year was the easiest photo I ever took. I was in a Chinook flying from Bagram to Jalalabad. And Jalalabad's where the Khyber Pass is, big city. I don't know how far the flight was, a couple hours maybe. But we got in this big Chinook helicopter and the loadmaster, which is the soldier that's in charge of loading everything, whether that's people or equipment, into the aircraft and making sure it's locked down, strapped in. She saw I had a camera and she set me at the very back of the Chinook. And we took off and we're flying, and you know, between Bagram and Jalalabad are these incredible mountains. It's the Himalaya, it's the roots of the Himalayan mountains. You know, if you follow them up far enough, you'll get to Mount Everest. So there are these incredible mountain ranges that we're flying over, just beautiful. And I don't know, we're like 30 minutes into the flight and she presses a button and lowers the tailgate of this Chinook helicopter, mid-flight. So we can look out and see all the mountains as we're flying over them. And then she walks out and sits on the edge of the tailgate. You know, she's like strapped in, but she like dangles her feet over the edge of this tailgate and just kind of watches there's a, there was another Chinook following us and she was sort of watching the Chinook and looking at the scenery as we're flying over it. And I just kind of turned and like took a shot of her sitting there. And it was the U.S. Army photo of the year that year. <laughs> Easiest photo I ever took. They have an entire award system. So it's kind of like the Emmys or the Pulitzers. The military has its own awards. It's a very big deal if you're in that job field. So yeah, the Department of Defense, they have their own awards, and the Army has awards, uh, they're called the Keith L. Ware Awards, and they're named after a Medal of Honor recipient who was a public affairs officer. And I've won 22 of them, and one of them was, I was named the U.S. Military Journalist of the Year in 2013, which is the highest award given in that job field. I came back in August 2012, flew back to Fort Hood. My kids were there to meet me, which was great. The one thing I wanted the most was a Starbucks coffee because we didn't have Starbucks in Afghanistan. So I got myself a Starbucks coffee and it was the best tasting coffee I ever had. Now I, I work at Clemson University. I'm in public information director. So I do a lot of kind of what I did in the army. I take pictures, write stories. You know, this was 2014, so I was still the standing United States Military Journalist of the Year. So that helped me get uh, an interview at Clemson. That kind of got my foot in the door, and that's sort of how I landed the, the job. So I had an amazing portfolio after five years as an active duty soldier, as a combat camera photographer, you know? Portfolio that a lot of photographers would, would kill for, probably. So, because I had so much opportunity to take pictures of amazing events and things. But I'm proud of what I did when I was over there, you know. I really tried to elevate what our soldiers were doing and elevate the citizens of Afghanistan. You know, winning hearts and minds was a big part of our job. I would have never imagined when I was young being a soldier, but now that I have been a soldier, uh, I'm glad that I was because it was just uh, meaningful to be a part of something bigger than myself. And a special thanks to Monty Montgomery for the post-production and Faith Buchanan for the pre-production on this story. 
And a special thanks also to Ken Scar for sharing his full story with us, and the hard parts especially, and that part of his life where everything could have turned south. And I have experienced suicide in my own family, and anyone who has knows the consequence. A beautiful niece of mine took her own life, and if she had gotten through that day, anything was possible for her. And my goodness, awards for shots, his photos appearing everywhere, AP, HB, that's Huffington Post, the NY Times, Fox News, USA Today, U.S. Army Photo of the Year, from suicide to that, and more. And he said he was proud of his military service, proud of what he'd done with his life, and now he's doing it on a great American college campus. And that's the campus of Clemson University in South Carolina. The story of Ken Scar here on Our American Story. Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. We continue with our American stories. Oftentimes, when the topic of professional wrestling, think Hulk Hogan, comes up, it's almost guaranteed that someone will scoff, that it's just, well, all fake. Yet those who enjoy watching professional wrestling won't disagree. What they will say, or likely say, is that they enjoy the characters, the athleticism, and the stagecraft. They know it's scripted, and they love the storylines same way we all enjoy watching any scripted story on TV or in the movies. Here's Riley Evans to tell the real story about professional wrestling, a story he's titled, Pro Wrestlers Deserve to be Called Athletes. Over 200 days a year, no off-season, just running, jumping, bumping and crashing into concrete, steel, and wooden rings with only the thinnest layer of padding. Bones break, ligaments snap, and even the absence of serious injury leaves the constant ache of smaller ones. Short of something debilitating, there's no time off to recover, because if you stop, there's always somebody waiting to take your place. Whether it's a high school gymnasium or a 100,000-seat stadium, the show must go on for the entertainment of some of the world's most rabid fans. It's ironic that pro wrestling, the most grueling athletic endeavor on earth, is laughed at by most sports fans. Fans of most traditional sports often balk at professional wrestling being mentioned in the same breath as their favorites. Just read the comment section on any Fox Sports article on the WWE. You'll see the word fake so many times that after the 50th comment, you'll start mixing it up with the word the. What these trolling keyboard warriors are missing however, is that even if pro wrestling isn't quite your taste, it contains much of what we love about legitimate sports. Let's get one thing straight from the outset. Pro wrestling matches are not competitions. The results are predetermined. Furthermore, various major elements of each match are also determined ahead of time, the exact amount of which depends on the wrestlers in question. This has been the case since the start of the 20th century, when traveling carnival performers made the transition from shoot, aka legitimate competition, wrestling, to a more entertaining style of athletics that necessitated the fixing of matches. Modern wrestling is not fixed. It is not rigged, dishonest, or fake. It is exactly what Vince McMahon, hereby referred to as Vince, 
from now until the end of time, told the New Jersey State Athletic Commission in 1989, an activity in which participants struggle hand-to-hand primarily for the purpose of providing entertainment to spectators rather than conducting a bona fide athletic contest. Vince coined the term sports entertainment to differentiate his product, known then as the WWF, from other pro wrestling organizations at the time, but the term actually provides the perfect description for the industry as a whole. The problem is that so much time has elapsed between pro wrestling's divergence from shoot wrestling and the current era that people can't see the forest through the trees. They no longer see the sport that provides the foundation for the entertainment, despite the fact that pro wrestling is the most athletic that it's ever been. The top pro wrestlers in the world must possess a rare and diverse skill set. This is especially true for WWE superstars, as the WWE product is heavier on the entertainment side of the spectrum than anybody else. Wrestlers must be competent to great public speakers. They must have a keen understanding of storytelling to build compelling matches and programs. They also have to be skilled actors, both in the ring and in their promos. Professional wrestlers are great performers, but today more than ever, they are called to be better athletes because it always comes back to what they can do in the ring. Pro wrestling is an exercise of pageantry and spectacle. It's a muscled-up soap opera where larger-than-life personalities collide for the entertainment of paying fans. The fact remains, however, that all the promos and storylines in the world fade into oblivion if those collisions, those in-ring encounters between athletes, don't live up to the expectations created by the entertainers. What would have happened if Hogan couldn't slam Andre at WrestleMania 3? What if Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels couldn't wrestle for an hour straight? Conversely, will we remember the Festival of Friendship in 10 years after Owens and Jericho underwhelmed at WrestleMania 33? I might be reaching on that one. The point is that the entire purpose behind the showmanship and the storylines is to sell the in-ring product. We care more about the matches if we care about the people in them. But as fans, we still demand high-quality wrestling to make the stories feel worthwhile. And the bar for what constitutes high-quality is higher than ever. While the Attitude Era pushed the envelope with edgy storylines and violence, today's talent pushes the envelope with acrobatics in the squared circle. It takes the red arrow today to get the reaction that a moonsault got over 20 years ago. I think it speaks volumes that while many pro wrestlers are failed football players recruited for their size and physiques, those performers are routinely outpaced by the likes of Kenny Omega, AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, or Sasha Banks, smaller performers with the balance and body control of elite gymnasts. Fans are demanding bigger moves, more action, and a higher degree of difficulty than we've ever seen. With more complex moves comes a greater need for the utmost precision because your opponent's life and livelihood is literally in your hands at every moment. The outcomes may be scripted, but the impact of bodies on canvas, steel, and concrete are very real. One errant knee is a broken nose. One bad pile driver is a broken neck. Speaking of injury, let's talk about playing through pain, because pro wrestlers have the market cornered on toughing it out. We praise athletes for playing through injury, especially around playoff time. Imagine that, but every day is playoff time, and there's no off-season for surgery. 
You just keep going until you literally can't bear the pain anymore. And if you're not already a star, your spot might not be there when you come back. By the way, if you're a WWE superstar pre-pandemic, you were working around 250 shows a year all over the world. One of those superstars is a guy named Mark Calloway, who some of you might know better as The Undertaker. For my money, he's one of the two or three greatest professional wrestlers to ever breathe oxygen. For anyone's money, he's one of the most respected performers in the history of the industry, not only for his talent, but for his toughness. He famously wrestled for months with broken ribs by putting on a flak jacket and having medical staff duct tape it around his torso. The Undertaker is six foot eight and probably weighed around 320 pounds at a time. Do you think taking a 300 pound bump with broken ribs was fun? By the way, he's kind of needed a hip replacement since 1998. He retired in 2020. Is he tough enough to be an athlete? Part of the reason that people like Taker do ridiculous things with flak jackets is because they're competitors. They want to go out there every night and compete. Now, I can already hear a bunch of you yelling at your mobile devices. They're not competing. The matches are fixed. You even said that. I said the results of the matches are predetermined. And they are. Nobody said that there's no competition. Every night, these performers go out and do what all other truly great athletes do. They compete to be the absolute best at what they do better than anyone else. Every wrestler who still loves what they do wants to steal the show and have the best match every night. They compete for the adulation of fans. Many of them probably compete with the hopes of being recognized for what they are, high performance athletes, sacrificing their bodies every night that they walk down that aisle. Professional wrestling doesn't have to be your thing. And that's fine, because we're not talking about the product. We're talking about the players, the ones that spend all the hours in the gym, make all the sacrifices, and get none of the respect from so many people. I was incredibly proud to bring a taste of pro wrestling to Grandstand Central, as well as to the listeners of our American stories. I look forward to engaging with people who give wrestlers the credit that they deserve. And great job on the piece by Greg Hengler, and a special thanks to Riley Evans for telling the story, the real story, about professional wrestling here on Our American Stories.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. <laughs> 